0: Uh, Brothers and sisters, the portion of Scripture that we're going going to be considering today is unusually long. I've decided to cover Genesis chapters 43 through 45 all in one sermon. Uh, The reason that I've decided to do this is because these chapters form a unit in the Genesis narrative that I thought would be very difficult to divide up into smaller pieces. I suppose it would be possible to to divide these three chapters into three sermons, but Truly, they belong together. Genesis chapter 42 told us of the first journey that Joseph's brothers, minus Benjamin, took down into Egypt and then back home again. That's what Genesis 42 was about. And Genesis chapters 43 through 45 tell us of the brothers' second journey. This time, they have Benjamin with them down into Egypt and back home again. And so, though it is long, I would like to read this narrative in its entirety. I will read rather quickly. After that, I will make three relatively brief observations about this text. And so, brothers and sisters, hear now the inspired, inerrant, and authoritative word of the Lord. Genesis chapter 43, verse 1. Now the famine was severe in the land. And when they had eaten the grain that they had brought from Egypt, their father said to them, Go again, buy us a little food. But Judah said to him, The man questioned us carefully about ourselves and our kindred, saying, Is your father still alive? Do you have another brother? What we told him was in answer to these questions. Could we in any way know that he would say, Bring your brother down? And Judas said to Israel, his father, Send the boy with me. And we will arise and go, that we may live and not die, both we and you, and also our little ones. I will be a pledge of his safety. From my hand you shall require him. If I do not bring him back to you and set him before you, then let me bear the blame forever. If we had not delayed, we would now have returned twice. Then their father Israel said to them, If it must be so, then do this. Take some of the choice fruits of the land in your bags and carry presents down to the man. A little balm and a little honey, gum, myrrh, pistachio nuts and almonds. Take double the money with you. Carry back with you the money that was returned in the mouth of your sacks. Perhaps it was an oversight. Take also your brother and arise, go to the man. May God Almighty grant you mercy before the man. And may he send you back with your other brother and Benjamin. And as for me, if I am bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. So the man took this present, and they took double the money with them. And Benjamin, they arose and went down to Egypt and stood before Joseph. When Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the steward of his house, "'Bring the men into the house, and slaughter an animal, and make ready, for the men are to dine with me at noon.' The man did as Joseph told him, and brought the men to Joseph's house." And the men were afraid because they were brought to Joseph's house. And they said, it is because of the money which was replaced in our sacks the first time that we are brought in so that he might assault us and fall upon us to make us servants and to seize our donkeys. So they went up to the steward of Joseph's house and spoke with him at the door of the house and said, oh, my Lord, we came down the first time to buy food. And when we came to the lodging place, we opened our sacks and there was each man's money in the mouth of his sack, our money in full weight. So we have brought it again with us and we have brought other money down with us to buy food. We do not know who put our money in our sacks. He replied, peace to you. Do not be afraid. Your God and the God of your father has put treasure in your sacks for you. I received your money. Then he brought Simeon out to them. And when the man had brought the men into Joseph's house and given them water and they had washed their feet and when he had given their donkeys fodder they prepared the present for Joseph's coming at noon for they heard that they should eat bread there. When Joseph came home they brought into the house to him the present that they had with them and bowed down to him to the ground and he inquired about their welfare and said, Is your father well, the old man of whom you spoke? Is he still alive? They said, Your servant, our father, is well. He is alive. And they bowed their heads and prostrated themselves. And he lifted up his eyes and saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son, and said, Is this your youngest brother of whom you spoke to me? God be gracious to you, my son. Then Joseph hurried out for his compassion, grew warm for his brother, and he sought a place to weep. And he entered his chamber and wept there. Then he washed his face and came out. And controlling himself, he said, serve the food. They served him by himself, and them by themselves, and the Egyptians who ate with him by themselves. Because the Egyptians could not eat with the Hebrews, for that is an abomination to the Egyptians. And they sat before him, the firstborn according to his birthright, and the youngest according to his youth. And the men looked at each other in amazement. Portions were taken to them from Joseph's table, but Benjamin's portion was five times as much as any of theirs, and they drank and were merry with him. Then he commanded the steward of his house, fill the man's sacks with food, as much as they can carry, and put each man's money in the mouth of his sack, and put my cup, the silver cup, in the mouth of the sack of the youngest with his money for the grain. And he did as Joseph told him. As soon as the morning was light, the men were sent away with their donkeys. They had gone only a short distance from the city. Now Joseph said to his steward, Up, follow after the men, and when you overtake them, say to them, Why have you repaid evil for good? Is it not from this that my Lord drinks, and by this that He practices divination? You have done evil in doing this. When he overtook them, he spoke to them these words. They said to him, Why does my Lord speak such words as these? Far be it from your servants to do such a thing. Behold, the money that we found in the mouths of our sacks we brought back to you from the land of Canaan. How then could we steal silver or gold from your Lord's house? Whichever of your servants is found with it shall die, and we also will be my Lord's servants. He said, Let it be as you say. He who is found with it shall be my servant, and the rest of you shall be innocent, Then each man quickly lowered his sack to the ground, and each man opened his sack. And he searched, beginning with the eldest and ending with the youngest. And the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. Then they tore their clothes, and every man loaded his donkey, and they returned to the city. When Judah and his brothers came to Joseph's house, he was still there. They fell before him to the ground. Joseph said to them, "'What deed is this that you have done?' Do you not know that a man like me can indeed practice divination? And Judah said, What shall we say to my Lord? What shall we speak? Or how can we clear ourselves? God has found out the guilt of your servants. Behold, we are my Lord's servants, both we and he also, in whose hand the cup has been found. But he said, Far be it from me that I should do so. Only the man in whose hand the cup was found shall be my servant. But as for you, go up in peace to your father." Then Judah went up to him and said, O my Lord, please let your servant speak a word in my Lord's ears, and let not your anger burn against your servant, for you are like Pharaoh himself. My Lord asked his servant, saying, Have you a father or a brother? And we said to my Lord, We have a father, an old man, and a young brother, the child of his old age. His brother is dead, and he alone is left of his mother's children, and his father loves him. Then you said to your servants, "'Bring him down to me, that I may set my eyes on him.'" We said to my Lord, "'The boy cannot leave his father, for if he should leave his father, his father would die.'" And then you said to your servants, "'Unless your younger brother comes down with you, you shall not see my face again.'" When we went back to your servant, my father, we told him the words of my Lord. And when our father said, "'Go again, buy us a little food,' we said, "'We cannot go down. If our youngest brother goes with us, then we will go down.'" For we cannot see the man's face unless our youngest brother is with us. Then your servant, my father, said to us, You know that my wife bore me two sons. One left me, and I said, Surely he has been torn to pieces, and I have never seen him since. If you take this one also from me and harm happens to him, you will bring my gray hairs in evil to Sheol. Now, therefore, please let your servant remain instead of the boy as servant to my Lord and let the boy go back with his brothers. For how can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me? I fear to see the evil that would find my father. Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. He cried, saying, make everyone go out from me. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud so that the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him for they were dismayed at his presence. So Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, please. And they came near. And he said, I am your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me as a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, thus your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Do not tarry. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen and you shall be near me, you and your children and your children's children and your flocks, your herds and all that you have. There I will provide for you for there Are yet five years of famine to come, so that you and your households and all that you have do not come to poverty. And now your eyes see, and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see, that this is my mouth that speaks to you. You must tell my father of all my honor in Egypt and of all that you have seen. Hurry and bring my father down here. Then he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept, and Benjamin wept upon his neck. And he kissed all his brothers and wept upon them. After that, his brothers talked with him. When the report was heard in Pharaoh's house, Joseph's brothers have come. It pleased Pharaoh and his servants. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, Say to your brothers, do this. Load your beasts and go back to the land of Canaan and take your father and your households and come to me and I will give you the best of the land of Egypt and you shall eat the fat of the land. And you, Joseph, are commanded to say, Do this, take wagons from the land of Egypt for your little ones and for your wives, and bring your father and come. Have no concern for your goods, for the best of all the land of Egypt is yours. The sons of Israel did so. And Joseph gave them wagons according to the command of Pharaoh, and gave them provisions for the journey. To each and all of them he gave a change of clothes. But to Benjamin he gave three hundred shekels of silver and five changes of clothes, To his father he sent as follows, 10 donkeys loaded with the good things of Egypt and 10 female donkeys loaded with grain, bread and provision for his father on the journey. Then he sent his brothers away and as they departed, he said to them, do not quarrel on the way. So they went up out of Egypt and came to the land of Canaan to their father Jacob and they told him, Joseph is still alive and he is ruler over the land of Egypt and his heart became numb for he did not believe them. But when they told him all the words of Joseph which he had said to them, and when he saw the wagons that Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of their father Jacob revived. And Israel said, It is enough. Joseph my son is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. So far the reading of God's most holy word. May the Lord bless the preaching of it this morning. I want for you to notice three things about this narrative that we have just read. One, notice that Joseph continued to test his brothers even after they returned to Egypt with Benjamin. Two, notice that Judah put himself forward as a substitute for Benjamin, a life for a life. And three, notice that it was God who sent Joseph down into Egypt to provide salvation for his people and through them the world. First of all, in this narrative, we see that Joseph continued to test his brothers even after they returned to Egypt with Benjamin. When they returned with Benjamin, they showed themselves to be honest men. Remember, that is what they claimed to be when they stood before Joseph the first time. Uh, They said, among other things, we are honest men. We have never been spies, Genesis 42, 31. And it was this claim that Joseph doubted. Given what he knew about their past, he doubted that they were in fact honest and upright men. And so he put their uprightness to the test, saying, By this I shall know that you are honest men. Leave one of your brothers with me and take grain for the famine of your households and go your way. Bring your youngest brother to me. Then I shall know that you are not spies but honest men, and I will deliver your brother to you, and you shall trade in the land." And though it took some time due to their father's fearful hesitancy, the brothers of Joseph did follow through on their commitment. They returned to Egypt with their youngest brother, Benjamin, who was the other son of Rachel besides Joseph. And notice how Joseph greeted them when they arrived. Instead of speaking roughly to them as he had before, he welcomed them into his home. He immediately returned Simeon to them, and he made them a great feast. So great was Joseph's generosity towards them that the brothers began to fear. It seemed to them to be too good to be true. They wondered if it was some kind of trap. They even spoke to the steward of the house about the money that they found in their bags when they came to the lodging place on their return trip home. And what did the steward of Joseph's house say to them? He pronounced a blessing upon them. Peace to you, he said. Do not be afraid. Your God and the God of your father has put the treasure in your sacks for you. I received your money. Friends, when we repent truly and turn to Christ in faith, this is how he treats us. He receives us into his home. He sets us free from our Bondage. He even invites us to His table. This is true for all who turn from their sin and believe upon Christ, no matter how vile their sins have been in the past. To repent repent truly and to trust in Christ sincerely results in the forgiveness of our sins, our adoption as sons and daughters, and communion with the living God. So marvelous is this grace that God has bestowed on sinners that sometimes we find it hard to believe. Sometimes we think, how could it be that God would treat a sinner such as me with such kindness? And how important it is for the Christian to hear the gospel again and again, to be reminded that it is actually true. How important it is for the one who has faith in Christ to be comforted by the gospel and to hear the words over and over again, peace to you. Do not be afraid. Your God and the God of your fathers has forgiven all your sins and has applied Christ's righteousness to you. I think we have here in the encounter between Joseph and his brothers, again on this second trip down into Egypt, a picture of how Christ treats us when we repent truly and come into His presence by faith. As we return to the Genesis narrative, notice that although Joseph Welcomed his brothers into his home, although he set their captive free, and although he received them to his table, he was not done testing them. It would seem that the main reason why Joseph requested that they bring Benjamin was so that he might test them with Benjamin. Now, I do not doubt that he wished to see Benjamin. Benjamin was his full brother, Rachel. Was both of their mother. And undoubtedly, Joseph had a special love for Benjamin. But notice that Joseph did not reveal himself to his brothers until he tested them yet again. He had heard their admission of guilt the first time that they stood before him. His brothers also proved themselves to be upright men when they returned with Benjamin for their brother Simeon. But here he tests them with Benjamin to see if they still have hatred for and prejudice against the sons of Rachel. When the brothers ate at Joseph's table, they were seated according to their birth order. This astonished them. Uh, What were the chances, right? It would have been impossible for this just to happen by chance. They were seated according to their birth order from oldest to youngest. And when the brothers were served, notice that favoritism was shown to Benjamin. His portion was five times as much as any of theirs. But before the brothers returned home, Joseph commanded the steward of his house, saying, fill the man's sacks with food as much as they can carry and put each man's money into the mouth of his sack and put my cup, the silver cup, in the mouth of the sack of the youngest with his money for the grain. And so the cup was put into Benjamin's sack And the brothers would be tested by this yet again. After the men left the city, the steward of Joseph's house overtook them and accused them of stealing Joseph's cup. And the brothers denied it, saying, "...Whichever of your servants is found with it shall die, and we also will be my Lord's servants." He agreed to an extent, saying, "...Let it be as you say, he who is found with it shall be my servant, and the rest of you shall be innocent." Then each man quickly lowered his sack to the ground and each man opened his sack and he searched, beginning with the eldest and ending with the youngest, and the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. And so the question is, what will the brothers do? They returned for Simeon, but would they abandon Benjamin, the son of Rachel, as they did with Joseph all those years ago? There was division within the family of Jacob. It appears that the sons of Rachel were hated. Uh, The other brothers of Joseph were envious of him, remember, because of the favoritism that was shown to him. He wore that multicolored coat. He was clearly the beloved son of his father. And so there was this jealousy that provoked the brothers to do that awful thing that they did to Joseph all those years ago. So now we see that that scenario is recreated with great precision. Here, Benjamin, the other son of Rachel, is brought. Here, favoritism is shown to him at Joseph's table. And here, the cup is put in Benjamin's bag so that the brothers might be tested with precision. Friends, may I remind you that when you repent truly and believe upon Christ sincerely, you are forgiven all your sins. Again, you are received into God's house You are set free from your bondage. You are welcome to God's table. But that does not mean that God is done with you. In fact, having been justified by God's grace alone and through faith alone and Christ alone, the process of sanctification has just begun. God will continue to test your faith to strengthen it. He will continue to test your walk to refine it. You were forgiven the moment you sincerely believed. But notice that by most likely your faith, excuse me, was was small at the start. In sanctification, God works in you to bring about greater faith, bigger faith. And though you were forgiven the moment you truly turned from your sins into Christ, your repentance was not finished in that moment. Corruption remains in you and in me and must be put daily to death. And having been received into God's house and at God's table... This does not mean that the testing and the refinement that comes as a result of it will will then end. To the contrary, what we see is that it has just begun. The Lord continues to test us and to refine us. Joseph tested his brothers again, didn't he? Notice that the test was similar, but this time he got even closer to the heart of the matter. He tested them not with Simeon, the second-born son of Leah, But he tested them now with Benjamin, the second born son of Rachel, who was their father's favorite once Joseph was believed to be dead. And so the testing continued. Secondly, notice in this narrative that we have considered that Judah put himself forward as a substitute for Benjamin, a life for a life. I think this is very significant to notice. It was not once but twice that Judah put himself forward as a kind of substitute for Benjamin. First, when the brothers were trying to persuade their father Jacob to let them return to Egypt with the boy, it was Judah who spoke up to, the, to his father, saying, Send the boy with me, and we'll, we'll arise and go, that we may live and not die, both we and you and also our little ones. It will be a ple- I will be a pledge of his safety." From my hand you shall require him. If I do not bring him back to you and set him before you, then let me bear the blame forever. And then Judah put himself forward again when it really counted. After Joseph's cup was found in Benjamin's bag and as the steward of the house prepared to take Benjamin into custody while sending the others on their way, it was Judah who pled with the man. He explained how heartbroken his father would be to lose his beloved son. He explained how heartbroken his father was in those years past when he lost his beloved son, Joseph. He pled with the man and he said these words, Now therefore, please let your servant, that is, let me remain instead of the boy as a servant to my Lord. And let the boy go back with his brothers. For how can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me? I fear to see the evil That would find my father. And so, twice Judah puts himself forward, once before his father, saying, I will be a pledge for his safe return. But then, when it really counted, he said, No, let me stay and let me be confined. How could I possibly break my father's heart like this again? It should be remembered that Judah has not been portrayed as a good guy in the Genesis narrative up to this point. The last we heard of Judah was in Genesis chapter 38, in that scandalous story where he lay with his daughter-in-law, Tamar, thinking she was a prostitute, and then in an act of great hypocrisy consented to her death when she was found to be with child. She was spared only because she proved his guilt with his staff and his cloak. Do you remember that story? It's the last we heard of Judah. And before that, and more significant to this story, it was actually Judah who suggested that Joseph be not killed, but sold into slavery. It was Judah who made that suggestion. Out of all the brothers, remember that at first they threw him into the pit, but Judah said to his brothers, "'What profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother, our own flesh.'" And his brothers listened to him. So Joseph was in Egypt in bondage there primarily because of Judah's Judah's actions. He wanted to make a profit off of his brother, sold him into slavery. And here in this narrative, notice that it is Judah who takes center stage once again. He is mentioned over and over again in this narrative that we have considered. But here he seems to be a changed man as he offers himself up as a substitute for Benjamin, being concerned not about his own prosperity now, but for the well-being of the boy, and even for the well-being of his father. There were indications that Judah had changed when he spoke to Jacob, saying, send the boy with me and I will be a pledge of his safety, etc. But as you know, talk is cheap, isn't it? It's here that he proves himself to be changed when he begs to be taken into custody instead of Benjamin out of a true concern for his brother and his father. Brothers and sisters, we should not forget that Jesus the Christ is called the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Jesus descended from Abraham And from Isaac, he descended from Jacob, but even more specifically, he descended from Judah. There was something prophetic, therefore, about the actions of Judah, though he knew it not. When he offered himself up as a substitute for Benjamin, he put on display what the Christ would do, who would descend from him in the fullness of time. Jesus the Christ went further and did exceedingly more than what Judah did. Judah offered himself as a substitute for Benjamin, his father's beloved son. Jesus offered himself up for all whom God the Father determined to set his love on. Judah offered to be taken captive in the place of Benjamin, but Jesus the Christ offered himself up in the place of sinners. He bore their sins and shielded them from the eternal wrath of God. Judah was not required to follow through on his offer, but was in fact set free. Jesus the Christ was delivered up to die in the place of sinners. He died on the cross, and in so doing, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. That is Galatians 3.13. When Judah offered himself up as a substitute, he unknowingly functioned as a type of the Christ who would descend from him. Jesus the Christ is infinitely greater. He accomplished infinitely more, but Judah was a type nonetheless, for the Christ who would come from the tribe of Judah would live and die and rise again as a substitute he lived for others, obeying the law of God on their behalf. He suffered and died for others. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, 1 Peter two twenty four. And he rose again for others. In fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, Paul says, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep, 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty. And so I must ask you, friends, are you in Christ? Have you believed upon Him for the forgiveness of your sins? Have you by faith had His righteousness imputed to you? Have you by faith been washed by His shed blood? Do you by faith have hope in the resurrection of the dead? For as Paul says, if we have been united with Him in a death like His, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His, Romans 6.5. It is important that we notice that Judah put himself forward as a substitute for Benjamin. A life for a life. Not only is it important to this narrative that we are considering today, but to the story of our salvation in Christ Jesus which will flow from it. Thirdly and lastly, let us see that it was God who sent Joseph down into Egypt to provide salvation for his people and through them the whole world. When Joseph finally revealed himself to his brothers, I want for you to listen to what he said. It's a very moving scene there. After seeing true and sincere repentance of the deepest sort, after hearing Judah plead for Benjamin's life, after hearing Judah express concern for his father, clearly a concern that he did not have before, he finally broke down, Sent all of the Egyptians out and in a great show of emotion, revealed himself uh, to his brothers. But listen to what he said to them. Verse 1 of chapter 45, again, Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. He cried, Make everyone go out from me, speaking to the Egyptians. No one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud so that the Egyptians heard it from the other room, I guess. And the household of Pharaoh heard of it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? His brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. They stood there speechless. So Joseph said to his brothers, Come near to me, please. And they came near. And he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold in Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves, because you sold me here. So here it is. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the, fam- for the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive many, uh, for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, he says to his brothers. Do you hear it? This is the third emphasis upon God's will, upon God's sovereignty in this matter. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. We understand that Joseph saw things most clearly. He knew that it was God who sent him down into Egypt ultimately. As he considered the wicked actions of his brothers those many years ago and as he considered his many years of suffering He was convinced that it was the will of God. And brothers and sisters, I wonder, do you have the same perspective on the calamities of life that have befallen you? Do you have the same perspective that Joseph had? Do you, like Joseph, take comfort in the fact that even the very difficult and unpleasant things of life are from the hand of God ultimately? And I think there is comfort in knowing this, for in this we rest assured that the trials and tribulations of life are not without purpose and meaning. The difficulties we experience are not meaningless difficulties. If trials and tribulations came upon us merely by chance, then they would be for nothing at all, no higher plan or purpose. But because we believe, as Joseph did, that God the good creator of all things and His infinite power and wisdom does uphold, direct dispose and govern all creatures and things from the greatest even to the least by His most wise and holy providence to the end for which they were created according to His infallible foreknowledge and the free and immutable counsel of His own will to the praise of the glory of His wisdom, power, justice, infinite goodness and mercy. Because we believe this then we are able to do what Joseph did And what the scriptures command us to do, and that is to count it all joy when we meet trials of various kinds. For we know that the testing of our faith produces steadfastness, and we let the steadfastness have its full effect that we may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. When Joseph looked back upon his life, and as he considered the sorrow, which was great sorrow, he had this perspective. He said, It was God's will. And frankly, it is only this high view of God and of the sovereignty of God over all created things that can explain the strength that we see in Joseph along with his willingness to forgive. Joseph looked back upon all of that suffering and he even considered how wicked and evil his brothers were to him before. And he was able to say, nonetheless, it was really God who sent me here. Though it was by your hand and though it was through the means of your sin, it was the will of God that I be sent here for this purpose. He saw it clearly. And it was because of this high view of God and the sovereignty of God over all things that he had this strength. It was because of this that he was so willing to transact forgiveness with his brothers once he saw in them sincere repentance. I have noticed that Christians love to say praise the Lord and God is good when good things happen to us and when our prayers are answered in a way that seems favorable to us. But I do ask you this. Will we also say praise the Lord and God is good when everything seems to be going terribly wrong and when our prayers are not answered In the way that we wanted. Will we still say, Praise the Lord and God is good? I read Job 1 earlier this week and I was reminded of how he responded to the Lord when everything pleasant in his life was stripped away from him in a single day. What did he say? He fell to his face and he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb and naked shall I return. The Lord gave. And the Lord has taken away, blessed be the name of the Lord. And in all this, Job did not sin or or charge God with wrong. The reason we have the book of Job, brothers and sisters, is so that we might see how we should live and act in the midst of suffering, how we should interpret the suffering that we experience in this life. It is not random or happen chance, but it is the will of the Lord. And even though it is the the will of the Lord, he does not do evil, he does not tempt, but he permits it, even in the midst of our suffering, we are to say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Joseph made it plain to his brothers that he was able to forgive them because he knew it was God's will. And Joseph was also able to see what it was that the Lord was up to. God sent me before you to preserve life, he said. And a little later, he said, God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. Joseph was able to clearly see God's purpose in the suffering. And what was God's purpose for him? One, to preserve life in general. And two, to preserve a remnant on earth of the Hebrew people in particular. Israel would be preserved in Egypt, as you know. And this was accomplished through Joseph and his suffering, and it was through their preservation in Israel that the na- in Egypt that the nation of Israel would come, and ultimately from them the Christ, who would die, as the Savior of the world. Brothers and sisters, God sent Joseph into Egypt to save ethnic Israel from the famine. That was His will. And notice this: God sent Jesus into the world. To save spiritual Israel from their sins and to reconcile them to God. Both salvations, the physical salvation of physical Israel and the spiritual salvation of spiritual Israel, were accomplished through a suffering servant. First Joseph and then Jesus. Speaking of God and his Christ, the writer to the Hebrews says, For it was fitting that He, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For He who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source, and this is why He is not ashamed to call them brothers. Christ. Christ, the one who brings many sons to glory. Christ, who is the founder of our salvation, was made perfect through what? Through suffering. He is our suffering servant. And this is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers, we are told. Friends, the brothers of Joseph were blessed to have him as brother. They were richly provided for, preserved through the famine and given the choicest parts of the land. But that blessing was all earthly and physical. Can you imagine how they felt in that moment? There they were languishing in the famine. There they were at the verge of death themselves. There they found themselves pleading for their lives before this powerful man in Egypt. And then all of a sudden their eyes are opened and they see that this is actually our brother, this glorious man, this powerful man. He, he is actually our brother and he is kind to us though we did him wrong in the past. He is gracious and merciful to us and he is bestowing upon us all sorts of blessings. He is saying to us, Take this wealth back to your father and return with him. And we are going to give you not the slums of Egypt, but we are going to give you the choicest parts of the land. You will dwell here and you will be richly provided for throughout the famine. Five years remain, but you will be cared for because Joseph's your brother. In that moment, they must have looked at him and said, my goodness, how blessed we are to have This man as our brother, though we treated him so poorly before, now we are proud to have him as our brother. Now we see his glory. Now we are eager to call him our brother. The blessing, though, for them was all earthly and physical. And I am saying to you that it is an infinitely greater blessing to have Jesus as our brother. He, being the eternal Son of God come in the flesh, lived and died and rose again in order to bring many sons to glory. He died and rose again to bring many sons, not into Egypt, but to glory. He came to save us, not from famine, but from sin and from eternal damnation. And I am asking, are you in Him? Have you believed upon Him? Do you have His Father as your Father For that is what he came to do. He came to reconcile us to the Father, to bring many sons of glory. Do not forget that you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. How blessed it must have been for those men to look at Joseph in the midst of the famine and to say, that is my brother. But it is an infinitely greater blessing to look to Jesus in the midst of our suffering and to say, that is my brother. His father is my father through adoption. His inheritance is my inheritance. The glory that he has entered into is also mine, all by the grace of God alone, received by faith alone. As we move now to a conclusion, I will simply read Genesis 45:24 through to the end as it sets the stage for the rest of the Genesis narrative. Then Joseph sent his brothers away, and as they departed, he said to them, Do not quarrel on the way. Now why would they possibly quarrel on the way? A lot of things were revealed to them in that moment with Joseph. And perhaps they would start in at each other's throats. Do not quarrel on the way. So they went up out of Egypt and came to the land of Canaan to their father Jacob. And they told him, Joseph is still alive and he is ruler over all the land of Egypt. And his heart became numb for he did not believe them. But when they told him all the words of Joseph, which he had said to them, and when, they saw the, when he saw the wagons that Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of their father Jacob revived. And Israel said, It is enough. Joseph, my son, is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. Brothers and sisters, let us bow before the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for this lengthy narrative A difficult passage to preach in its entirety, but considered in its entirety, it is so very rich. We thank you for uh, this story. We thank you for the way that it does show forth Christ and the great work that he has accomplished for us. We are grateful, Lord, that you have provided for us a substitute, the lion of the tribe of Judah, Christ Jesus our Lord, who bore our sins who bore your wrath in our place and who has given us his righteousness if we have faith in him. Uh, we thank you, Father God, also uh, that you have uh, provided for us uh, the promise that you will not leave us as we are, but will sanctify, sanctify us always until you return. We look to Jesus. We are proud to call him our brother for he took on human flesh uh, to die in our place. We thank You for the tremendous inheritance that we have in Him. Father, help us to always remember how rich we are in Christ, to cling to Him, and to always give You thanks, even in the midst of the difficulties of life. It's in the name of Jesus we pray and all of God's people say, Amen.